I think anybody who manages people like I do, or you know, you have employees, mm-hmm. um, when you find somebody who is phenomenal at their job, the last thing you want is for them to leave to then go through the hiring process and gamble on who could be coming in next. Especially yeah. if you're paying them little bit tidbits like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was really, it, it seems like your boss just saying, okay, well, when is this gonna happen yeah. is what really created that transition journey for you, right. that start. And I was, I was nervous about that, I gotta admit. So I started letting others at work know and I was surprised because I would tell them I'm a member of the LGBT community, and they're like, well, that doesn't surprise us. And I was like, wow, really? And they're like, yeah. Well, you know, I had my ears pierced, and I was taking care of myself. Uh, you know, I'd start plucking my eyebrows, getting that bush tackled. Uh, so I was taking care of myself. And then, so then I told them, well, I'm transgender. And I'd get the reply, I didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to laugh really <laughs> so the marine retired marine now working on the army contract they thought i was something else okay that's fine but they they've all been great and they all call me by danny now and i get lots of compliments and uh, so i i look forward to going to work now that's wonderful and of course well, it takes longer to get ready yeah that's not as much fun and you look beautiful today, so I see that you Thank are you. rocking the butterflies. Yes, I, I love the butterflies to symbolize the transition. Uh, I actually have a couple butterfly rings. This one was a recent gift from my wife. Oh. So I, yeah. And I've noticed that you have a butterfly tattoo on like yes. the nape of your neck on your back. Yes, my uh, daughter and I got tattoos together. We both got semicolons uh, with that symbolism because she fights that issue too. She's actually. Uh, attempted to end her life twice. I'm so sorry. And for yeah. those um, who don't know, the semicolon is a symbol of somebody who has contemplated or attempted suicide. Right. I'm so sorry that this is something that you, you have experienced, and I don't yeah. want to glaze over it. You know, this is something where you offered suicide as a solution to this issue for your wife, mm-hmm. and she said no. But since, and you said you couldn't drive over a bridge without thinking about right. driving off. Yeah, I actually was uh, exceeding the recommended limits on some of my medication because I didn't care what it did. I just wanted the depression to end. And is this something you still battle with today? I, I do. Uh, it's not as bad now. The medication's better. Uh, now it's like a, a, a momentary thought, like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll show them. And like 20 minutes later, it's gone. And when I had it before, uh, that eight-month time frame, it was like with me day and night. I would dream about it. I'd wake up thinking about it. It was terrible. Uh, but, you know, I did get through that, thank goodness. And I still fight it, but it's not as bad. I'm on the right medication. Seeing a doctor helps. Uh, me and my daughter, you know, we acknowledge each other, fight it. And she has her bipolar issues. Uh, so she had her semicolon with the continuous circle brush stroke of life around hers. And then I got the trans butterfly wing on my semicolon. So, oh. yeah. And I know that you have started some advocacy down in your area. You yes. want to help bring more people into the fold, help more people. What are Correct. you doing? Well, like I said earlier, I live between Richmond and D.C. There's nothing in our area. And the Fredericksburg area is actually a high populous area. It's not that small. It's probably very similar to York. Um, but there's no support there. There are several different 
mental health facilities that help people, and one of them has a um, group session, but there was no actual support groups outside of that. That was it. So uh, just like the James River Transgender Society has one, and they have another one down there called Let's Talk that uh, Carrie Abrams leads, and I love it. I love the format. You know, if you got something you want to talk about, just come in and they just get together to talk about issues they've had, and they share with each other how they've gotten through them. And it's a, a listening ear that can relate to it. So I started a similar group uh, in the Rappahannock region. Rappahannock. Right, and we call it the Rappahannock Region Transgender Group because I didn't want to just say the Fredericksburg Group. Mm -hmm. um, we actually have surrounding counties in there. We have the uh, Stafford County, King George, uh, Caroline, S S Spotsylvania, and I'm sorry, I forgot the fifth one. That's okay. They'll know <laughs> if you live yeah. in this area. But, yeah, I yep. want to let it know. And we actually have some people coming uh, from Orange County, too. But and uh, but it's, it's we have people all from in that group coming over. Uh, we had our first meeting this last week. We had one person who's never been out in public and femme before. I've known them on Facebook mm -hmm. for a couple years now, and uh, they they have some issues. We all do. I'm not going to deny. I've had mine. I still have some. And uh, but it's great to be able to give people a place they can go where gender dysphoria is not diagnosed as a mental disorder. We realize it's real. It's how we were born and why we feel that way and what you can do to cope with it. And so we're now meeting the first Thursday of each month at 6.15 until 8.15 at the Fredericksburg Baptist Church. They've opened up a room for us. They let us go in there. Now, can anybody and just walk in off the street and go to this meeting? I, I'll accept anybody in there. I do want to verify with them that they are either transgender or a transgender ally. Mm -hmm. And under the transgender umbrella, I'm all encompassing. I don't care if you're female to male, male to female, non-binary, gender fluid, gender queer. I don't care how you identify because we can relate. And I've been learning about that. And there is nothing in our area for any of those. Uh, when I reached out to the mental health facilities to get the word out, every one of them gave me praise for starting this group. They all agreed that our community needs that. And it's not to replace uh, counseling that you know, some of us do need, you know, mm -hmm. like my, myself, I mean, I do need it. Uh, and, and it's very, very beneficial and very helpful. But I'm not trying to replace. I'm just trying to give a place where you can go to. It doesn't cost you any money, and you can talk to somebody in complete confidence. It's a closed group. We actually have a Facebook closed page okay. if you want to learn more about us. On, uh, and how do people find the – and by saying it's a closed page – if somebody is not out, if they are in the closet, they should be fairly safe and protected here. Correct. They can yeah. come out and approach our page, the Rappahannock Region Transgender Group, RRTG. And actually, the page has a picture of the Rappahannock Bridge because it crosses the Rappahannock River, which runs through all these areas. And that's why we went with that name. And uh, you can go ahead and apply, ask to join the webpage. And I'm one that approves and disapproves memberships. I do have a couple people to help on there. But if you just let me know that you're transgender or transgender ally, and we do vet people because we don't want some redneck coming in to try to give us a hard time or out people. So we do vet people before we let them into the group. Now, if people want to find you, you now go by Danny Bell. Correct. 
but when I met you, it was Jenny Bow and then Danny Jenny Bow. Right, because I did a slow transition to get rid of the Jenny. Mm -hmm. uh, first, I put Danny in front of it because I did go by Jenny. But once I became Danielle or Danny, I went from uh, Jenny Bow to Jenny Daniel Bow, Jenny Danny Bow, then Danny Jenny Bow, and now it's Danny J Bow. Yeah, I feel so like I want, have like a dozen different emails, like all yeah. sent different ways with you. I was trying to this. help people mentally do yeah. that transition with me. Maybe I shouldn't have done it that way. Maybe I just should. I think it's I think it's fine, but I want to make sure that people can find you. If they want to find me on Facebook, it's the uh, www.facebook.com/slash/JennyBow. And that's one word. G N N Y B E A U. Correct. And when they so that's the URL for your personal page. Yes. But then when they find that, it's going to be Danny J. Bow. Bow. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for everything that you have shared. I mean, you've lived such an incredible life. Your story is amazing. The turnaround of your happiness and your confidence. I oh. think you've, you've shared so many incredible lessons. Uh, but not only have you shared the lessons of, you know, speak to your doctor and bring your doctors into the loop. You've shared such important information like the MyHealthyVet.com, how to find Catholic-friendly churches like the one that you attend. Right. And what's the name of the one you attend again? St. Francis of Assisi. And what's the website to find Catholic-friendly churches? NewWaysMinistry.com. And you have your own advocacy group now. The Rappahannock Region Transgender Group. And where will we see you next? Are you going to be at first event? Or are you going to be at Keystone? I will be at Keystone. Okay. And i got to save up for that. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you there at Keystone. I look forward I'll to be, seeing you there. I'll be there as well. Yep. Let people know. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Uh, Cassandra, when I first met her, I didn't know she was just somebody who was going to take pictures or be supporting. I've learned later that Cass is a very supportive person. And through yoga and that, I got to know her better, exercising with her. Besides the photography, just you're great people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was another episode of My Feminine Heart. If you believe in our mission of outreach, support, and education for the transgender community, please subscribe and support our podcast at patreon.com backslash myfeminineheart. Well, he found out from another one of his siblings, but he wouldn't tell me who. Okay. So I went to the next oldest sibling who showed tendencies to being trans also. So I thought he might be the one that figured it out. So you him. had an eye on your second oldest child, thinking yes. that he might be trans. What were you seeing in him? Um, I see some feminine characteristics that he would like occasionally. I mean, he, he's got his manly mustache, but he also likes to paint his nails, shave his legs, uh, wears uh, leggings under his jeans in the winter. And he would do all of this openly in front of you and yes. your wife. Yep. Uh, but he wouldn't be open about it. Like, you know, well, I just tried it. <laughs> uh, like, why do you have... Paint on your nails. Yeah. Oh, I just tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought I'd try it. Okay. So he, he didn't deny it, but he wouldn't admit it. And he's your second oldest. Right. Then I went to my third oldest, who told me, whatever flips your skirt, Dad. And that's your daughter. No, that's my youngest son. Oh, that's your youngest son. Okay. Yes. And that, and he said it wasn't him either. So when they're so saying it wasn't me. So that's when I knew me. it was my daughter. And I knew I was going to have problems with my daughter because she's the most religious of the four. 
So your daughter had found out. She told all the other siblings. Yes. And this is not a crew that tattletales. So you had to go the whole way down the line, and they're not saying, well, our sister told us. Correct. Yeah. They, they protected each other. I'll give them credit. I can say it instead of saying, you know, because they didn't lie. They didn't deny it, but they, they weren't going to tell me who. They protected each other. And how did your daughter find out? Uh, I went to her, and it was not good. She did not like it. She, she was upset about it. But she had previously found out on her own. Right. But and, never said anything to me. And how and, did she find out on her own? Uh, she was on my computer. And I'd let her go onto my computer because she would do some things for me uh, sometimes to help me on my computer. And I appreciated that. I still do. But apparently I must have left a window open that I shouldn't have or something because she, she found it. I thought I had it hidden. <laughs> And you, you uh, came out to your three sons, and it went pretty well. Yes. One of whom you, you're thinking, well, he might be trans too. Yes. You come out to your daughter, and it doesn't go as well. No. Yeah. No. It, it wasn't well at all. And she, previously, she walked into my room, and I was watching a jazz TV show. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why are you watching that? Because I'm interested in it. Oh, they're perverted. Perverted? Yeah, that was for the re- jazz. Because, yeah. Wow. That was the reply I got. I'm just, I don't think so. But at the same time, I was in that mindset still that the church was, you know, right because I believe in God and I, you know, so the church has got to be right. And so I still thought I was sinning. But I was trying to figure it out. I, I didn't understand why do I feel this way. I'm, and I dug for years. Like, is, was it my parents' sin? Is it my sin? There's no perversion. Nobody ever forced me to do this. It's just the way I've always felt. Mm-hmm. Wow. And just so we can share, to this day, do you have a relationship with your daughter? Yes, yes. It, it took some time. Um, and I think what happened, actually, because when I came back from Keystone 2018, my wife was not happy. And why wasn't and she happy? My oldest son, when I went to Keystone, took it upon himself to tell mom, because he wanted to take care of her and protect her, that he knew that dad was going to transition, go all the way, and probably going to leave her, and she needed to get a life and get ready. So she stewed over that while I was at Keystone. And then when I came home, uh, I got confronted. And her concern was not so much you transitioning, but you leaving her yes. after almost 40 years of marriage. Right. And why, so it became, why did I lie to her? How come I never told her? And all I could do is shake my head up and down in agreement with her and say, yeah, I did lie to you. you know? But you were also lying to yourself. Exactly. I tried to fix myself, and I couldn't. I failed at that. Um, and all I could do is agree with her. And she, I, I'd never seen my wife so ugly. And uh, I actually offered to blow my brains out at the end of the conversation and that's when she realized how bad I was feeling that and you actually she, told her you would just commit suicide and end everything yeah I, that would solve her problem and uh, that's you know she started crying she and then she realized it and she became sympathetic and we started talking but I'd never seen my wife that ugly in my life and I don't think I'll ever see her that ugly again I'd have to really do something really bad uh, to her, which I can't imagine doing. I love her so much. But uh, she, you know, the next eight months of our marriage were really rough. 
And after meeting some transgender friends and realizing that they weren't bad people, she finally went to a transgender event with us at Freddy's uh, when Donna accidentally called her, so she invited her to join us, and my wife decided to join us. And so she, even though she's not very social, she's a little on the shy side, you slowly introduced her to a couple of people. Right. And how did you how did you navigate that for her? Um, well, you, initially, like Donna came to our house just to help with an electrical issue, and she helped, and it was a godsend. Now, and did Donna come over fully presented? As no. A, uh, she was in feminine attire, but she wore a floppy hat instead of a wig mm-hmm. with her natural, her, her hair is shorter than what I'm wearing, but it wasn't long either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, at that time, it was like in between a masculine and feminine mode. But she was very helpful. And, I mean, she had uh, acrylic nails, long mm-hmm. nails, and her eyebrows were feminized. So, you know, you knew she was trans or something. You had to question what she was. If you didn't realize it, but she enjoyed her, and then uh, well, she came and helped with electric work. Yes, right? so yes. yeah, and who doesn't like that? Yeah, and my wife was sociable and thanked her. She came, and uh, Donna came upstairs and talked to her and really helped. And, and then, did she meet anybody else? Th- then she met Chloe. Uh, Chloe and I had been together in Atlanta, where mm-hmm. we met you, and um, or where well, we've seen you there, and. She went to Florida from there, and we had drove, drove down together. So I had a bag of hers that she didn't need in Florida. So she came by to pick it up, and she met me and my wife at an IHOP. And she came in and had coffee with us while we were having our meal. And after that, my wife made a comment. She's like, you know, your friends are really nice. Yes, they are. Thank you. And it was kind of funny, though, because she went out with us on that uh, Black Friday, and the next morning my, I could hear my younger two children asking her, you know, what was that like? And, uh, like, something that they would never do, mm-hmm. <laughs> which later on one of them has. But anyway, um, I heard my wife tell my children she had the best time she'd had with her husband in years. She had a great time. And later on, she admitted to me something I didn't share with you. She thought that when I went to the D.C. Trans Ladies in their outings, that we were going to hotels and doing sex things. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my God! Well, not no, really. no wonder she had an issue. Yeah, yeah. And when what's what you're doing is you're going out and having like a cocktail or exactly. A cup of coffee. And when she realized that that's what we're doing, she's like, "Well, you're not hurting anybody. <clears throat> you're not doing any sin. No, not I don't think so." And part of that magic was she had met some people, and then she went to Freddy's and spent a night with. Us. Oh my gosh. And then next day we were talking. She was telling me things about my friends who I'd known for five years now. She told me things about I didn't know. Really? Their, their children, mm-hmm. the, how many children they have, the names of some. I'm like, they have children? <laughs> yeah. so, wow. So she really took the time to get to know people when you yes, went she out. Did. And she got to see you have fun in your most authentic self. Exactly. So that you weren't having wild sex parties at right. hotels, that you're just going out and having a margarita and doing some karaoke, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Just, and uh, so this was Keystone 2018 was your first conference, right. your first major conference you went to. It's when you came back that she was afraid you were going to leave her because of what your son said. Right. So it went from that mm-hmm. that March till, till Black, Black Friday, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Not knowing where my marriage was going. And then the next day, Saturday morning, you're like, this might work. Yeah. And that's what she actually told me. Uh, she loved me and was going to stay with me. 
except if I got bottom surgery, I have to get my own bed. <laughs> uh, so where are we now with, um, that's 2018. How did 2019 look for you? Uh, 2019 was good. I tried to get her to go with me, and she would not. So I did go up there, and uh, I really to had Keystone. a great time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became a member of Vanity Club during that previous year. So I actually helped with the uh, taking the new girls out their first morning to get nails done in that. And you had just gone to like your first conference a year before, year before, and then all of a sudden you're like a big sister taking people out, going, "Oh no, that's fine. Yeah. We're going to go get our nails done." Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And that that it seems so amazing to me that transition in your confidence level. Well, Donna and Chloe helped with that a lot. Donna has a funny story she likes to tell uh, about our trip up. She stopped for gas and she needed to go inside, and she asked me to finish pumping gas into the vehicle. And uh, when she came out, I was standing there looking around, making sure nobody's watching, because I'd never been out in general public like that, pumping gas before. <laughs> I was nervous. Yeah. And she, she, she noticed it and laughed about it. Yeah. So in like a year, you've gone from being terrified to pump gas to, yep, we're going to go to the salon, everybody. I'm going to yep. lead the way. Yeah. I, I, I've been lucky. I've heard some bad stories about interactions that people have had, but I have not had bad interactions. I've had people walk away from me, but I respect that. I, you know, for 58 years, I couldn't accept me, so I don't expect everybody to accept me either. So. Now, now, your personal physical journey has been incredible as well. So you had shared um, earlier in the interview that you weighed at one point 315 pounds. Correct. Okay, well, you're nowhere near that now, so no, what no. happened? Um, I had a heart attack. Uh, they called the Widowmaker. The left atrial branch was 85% blocked, and I shouldn't have lived. And how long ago was that? That was in October of uh, 2013. And on the six-month follow-up, the cardiolo cardiologist asked me what I was taking for my diabetes. And I was like, my what? I didn't know I had diabetes. Nobody said anything to no. you? No, and I was a medic at that time, too. I was actually a rescue chief in our local county. And uh, so that next morning, I woke up and I checked my blood sugar. And I looked at the meter and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm diabetic. He was right. And I used to have like a handful of peanut butter M&Ms every night. Oh, they're so Hear good. Hear the angels singing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I never had another peanut butter M&M after that. I gave them up. That I gave changed up, everything I, for I you. I changed my diet. He had... Uh, he had me see a nutritionist, and I've gone pretty much sugar-free, gluten-free, started walking, uh, started losing weight, clothes started fitting better, I started feeling better about myself, looking better, um, and they had me on metformin, which helped me lose the weight, fight the sugar, and I started uh, bicycling, and I started passing out. So I contacted the doctor to ask him if I could not take the metformin. Uh, the day before and the day of a bike ride because I get light. I didn't pass out. I got lightheaded, and I checked my blood sugar because another diabetic says you're having a diabetic episode, and I was in denial. Like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. And they stuck with me at the end. They said we're checking blood sugar when we get in, see where you're at. And they're, I, they're betting I was low. Yeah, my blood sugar was 18. <laughs> so I contacted the doctor, asked if I could, you know, quit taking the metformin on Fridays and Saturdays, and told them what happened. They took me off metformin right then and there. So I've been off of the metformin uh, since 2018 also, and I control my diabetes by diet now. My last A1C was 5.4, 
medically speaking, I'm not diabetic, but I, but at the same time, I do have some diabetic issues from it, uh, the foot nerve issue, uh, eye vision. So they know they. So told your me, vision had gotten affected. Yes, I, I got peripheral vision. It's not the best. I got little black spots, uh, and I was told that if I don't watch your sugar, it'll it'll definitely come back and get worse, and could go blind. Were you heavy all your life? You had been uh, no. in the military. You were a Marine right. for 20-some years. Right. I retired in 1998 and said, that's it. I'm not doing another sit-up the rest of my life. And, and I didn't for a long time until after that heart attack. And the weight just gained. And I took it because, uh, you know, I was fighting depression. We all have different mechanisms we do because I wasn't being me. And I, I realized that. I was a grumpy person. I was a grouch. I get off the handle real easy, get mad. I had anger issues. Uh, and I would try to eat. Some people try to, you know, alcohol. Uh, I did drink in, in excess. Uh, boy, all did self I drink in excess. <laughs> so all self-medication. Yes, yeah. exactly. And exactly. were you on, um, at this time, many years ago, when you were just starting to gain the weight after retirement, were you on any other medications at that time? Did you have other health issues? Right. Um, we're setting up a general purpose tent and a pin on a post I was holding broke and the cross beam came down and hit me on the head and it compressed my spine and knocked me down. Uh, they had to do surgery for three herniated discs, but, um, which is a godsend. I still thank that doctor because the surgery returned control of my bowel and bladder. But I also had a bubble in my spine between my shoulder blades that was causing chest pain. Uh, it's called a syrinx, and it felt like a, a, somebody was trying to get into my chest with a spade. And so they put me on uh, a neurogenic purpose antidepressant. So I went on an antidepressant in 1994 after this accident to fight this neurogenic pain. And it worked, but I found, I, I believe that really was a blessing because it started helping me with depression issues I was fighting also. But I didn't tell the doctors that. I was, I did, I didn't ever expressed that until I finally, uh, right before Keystone, that month before, I came out to my primary care physician. This episode was filmed at Rise Beauty Company, a transgender-friendly spa and salon who offers 15% off all services to patrons of My Feminine Heart. Subscribe today at patreon.com backslash myfeminineheart. Welcome back to another episode of My Feminine Heart. I am your host, Cassandra Storm. We are located here uh, at Rise Beauty Company in York, PA, which is a transgender-friendly spa and salon. And my special guest today is Danny Bow. And some of you may know her as Danny Jenny Bow or just Jenny Bow. Uh, but Danny, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here with you. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you over the last couple of years. And um, as somebody who has been photographing at different conferences, it's amazing to me. I feel like for me, you kind of just arrived onto the scene. Um, our interactions began, I think, at Keystone last year or the year before Keystone yes. 2018. And that was your first Keystone conference. Correct. And then after that in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And then That's Keystone right. 2019. 
That's right. That's right. So um, to me, I think it's incredible to hear how long or how how quick some of the transition journeys have taken. So, mm-hmm. uh, Danny, even though you've gone by Jenny in the past, yes, you prefer Danny now. Yes, that is me. That is you. That is my legal name, and my name was Daniel. I've legally changed it to Danielle, and I like to go by my name. It made it easier for those that knew me before, and it feels more honest. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. So, uh, for you, you are in your early 60s. 61. Mm-hmm. And you have four children. Yes, I have three sons and a daughter. Uh, sons, what, 39, 37, and 27. Wow. And then I have a daughter that's 36. And you have been married for 41 years? It'll be 41 years, one week from today. Yeah, happy anniversary. Thank you. That is really incredible. She's a special lady. Yeah. Put up with me. <laughs> and for you, uh, you're transitioned now at work, and we'll definitely yes. talk about that. And you're you're out to your whole family, your yes, wife and your children. But this has been a recent development for you. Yes. So just you know, four years ago, you never would have imagined Danny and Bo as you are now. Oh no. Uh, five years ago, I had a friend, uh, Grace Allen. I was attending meetings at uh, in Richmond with the James River Transgender Support Group. I really felt like an outcast there because everybody pretty much had transitioned. Thought I was the only cross-dresser there. Because five years ago, you didn't consider yourself... No, I considered myself a transgender cross-dresser. Because I didn't think transitioning would ever happen in my life. It would not be possible. My wife wouldn't accept it. My friends wouldn't accept it. Uh, I, I never thought it would happen. And I know Grace recently reminded me, do you remember that? You denied that you would ever transition? I said, yeah, I did. I think that's an important thing for people to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, you had actually thought about transitioning like you dreamed of it at a pretty young age. Yes. I can remember like since third grade fantasizing that the magic fairy would come and change me into a girl instead. I always wanted to live a, as a female instead. I wanted to wear dresses and gowns and be pretty and make makeup and nails. I wanted to have something up here. <laughs> and you know, the so third grade, you are trying on clothes in your mom's closet? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for Halloween, my mom had sent me out as a female gypsy, and she'd made this gown for me, a long floor-length gown. I wore that thing for years afterwards. <laughs> mom and Dad, you know, they went around into the hospital. That's awesome. <laughs> so, And you, you went a pretty, like, masculine route uh, from a young age. You went into the military. Yes, I did. Um, shortly after turning 17, I joined the Marines, and I thought that would fix me because we were a Catholic family, and I was taught that being a member of the LGBT community was a sin. It was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I tried to deny that and I, because I do have close presence of God. I've had things happen that I don't know how to explain any other way, to, but to say that God is there and the love that God has for us. But anyway, that's my personal opinion. So I tried to fix myself and I joined the Marines for 22 years. Just trying to beat that femininity out of you. I tried. I tried. But it kept coming back. And uh, I always had an item somewhere. I would hide somewhere from the wife. Eventually you did tell your wife. Yes. Eventually she did find out. 
and she didn't like it. She thought it was a fetish. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, she realized it was a part of me. I am. One time she might accept it, and another time be like, "Well, the church says that's not right." Because you're a very religious family. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, our first date was to a church. I have never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yeah. you've been married for forty-one years. Yeah. About to celebrate your anniversary. Yes. And how long ago? Did you first tell your wife that, in your words, you were a transgender cross-dresser? I'd say about six or seven years ago, I started going out like monthly or every other month. Actually, it probably started like every six months and started becoming more often. I kept putting it off because I couldn't be honest with her. And eventually, I became honest with her and started going out more often. And when you say going out, you live down in the Virginia area, outside of D.C. Yes, I live in between Richmond and D.C. area. Um, so where do you go out? Who do you go out with? I was actually going up north to the uh, D.C. Translates group to go out. Uh, I went for a makeover up there with Beth one time, Elizabeth Taylor. She mm-hmm. gave me up. I'll never forget stepping outside that door. A young boy came out of the apartment next door. I about froze like a deer in the headlights. And uh, Erica was right behind me, and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, and she kind of pushed me. Let's go. And uh, the first meeting was actually at a girl's house. They weren't meeting out in public at that time. Really? Yeah. So we went to uh, Christine's home, and I had a great time. And I was really overweight then. Uh, I was a big girl, uh, over 315 pounds. Uh, But I I finally found a place I could go, be myself, and talk to others that knew what I was feeling. And and that was great. But... uh, their next meeting, they decided to hold it at a hotel. And so I didn't, I was scared. I didn't go for like six more months. And uh, we're in a hotel, like in the hotel restaurant or bar? Or, yes, yeah. yes, in the lobby. In the lobby. Yeah. For at, everybody uh, to see. Yes, yes. And I was not ready for that. I'll never forget that. So I started doing that. And then I signed up to go to a dinner with them once. Uh, or I started to go sign up because they'll meet somewhere else for dinners before. And I'll never forget the first time I went to the dinner and I got there and there was nobody else around yet. They were in somewhere inside and I was waiting for somebody else to go in that maybe I could go in with them. I was still, I was very scared. And uh, two girls pulled up in a car a little bit ahead of me and they got out and the one grabbed her purse and she swung it over her shoulder like a gym bag. I was, <laughs> I'm not going with that group. And uh, about five minutes later, I talked myself into leaving. Oh. So, yeah. So it, I'll never forget that. But eventually, I did get up to nerve and actually started enjoying those outings and started going more often, becoming regular. And I still considered myself a cross-dresser. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And for years, I had friends try to talk me into going to Keystone. The Keystone Conference up in Harrisburg. Yeah. Yeah. But I would put it off because I was a bagpiper, and I loved bagpiping during the month of March. Bagpipers are pretty popular during that time frame. A little bit. Yeah. You've got like that little St. Paddy's Day holiday in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 2018, right before uh, the Keystone, I finally decided to open up to my uh, primary care physician in the VA, mm-hmm. and I asked for a uh, referral to the transgender clinic is there a va transgender clinic no there's not i didn't yeah. know that they, they do have an lgbt leader or a, a coordinator but that's pretty much it 
they knew what I meant, and uh, it's kind of comical because they were lost by it too. Now, there are other transgender women that get service in this place, but they never had anybody come out to them before saying, I'm transgender and would like to talk to somebody about it. So they weren't sure what to do, what was the next step. So the people they had already been working with had already found their way. Yes, they, they, they came really... in from other facilities because yeah. it was a relatively new clinic. And, and this is a clinic specifically for veterans. Yes. It's a VA, okay. It's veterans Affairs, yeah. And so I went to Keystone, and at Keystone I learned there was a class there uh, about My Healthy Vet and the Veterans Administration and the system. And that's where I learned that on the My Healthy Vet, they have the encrypted email, which I'd used before, asking my doctor, you know, like, hey, my prescription's about to expire. Uh, but that was it. But I came back from Keystone, and I still didn't hear anything about my request for referral to transgender clinic. And how long had you been waiting? And that had been over a month then. Oh, okay. So I sent the encrypted email uh, to my primary care physician. You know, I, I sent a request for a referral to a transgender clinic, and I hadn't heard anything. And I found out that my healthy vet, they track their email system. And when you send them uh, electronic email like that, it's like pushing a button on a stopwatch to start it. They're, they're timed and they have up to 72 hours to give you an answer. And uh, I did get my answer probably in 48 hours with an appointment to see a sociologist. And of course that appointment was 30 days out but it finally, I had that You had gotten the ball rolling. Finally, And yes. this is something you learned at a workshop at Keystone. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I love the conferences and that I'm doing this show is there are so many pieces of useful information that you don't even know exist until right. we come together like this. Mm -hmm. So if you are a veteran and you are in need of a more expedited medical help, Go to myhealthyvet.com. You can email your doctor, yep. and then they have to respond to you, not just via email, but with an action to your exactly. question within 72 hours. Yes. Yeah. I think for anybody going through any kind of struggle, waiting to hear from your doctor for a month is going to seem like an eternity. You're right. It did. Yeah. It did. And even, you know, so then I got that appointment. It's a month out. I'm still waiting for that. And, uh, but due to the class that I attended, I also learned from them that uh, if you want them to believe you're transgender, you have to show them you're transgender. So when I went in for that appointment, I went in at that time as Jenny. As Jenny, yeah, fully dressed fully and presenting. Found. Yes, yeah. presenting. And at the end of that one appointment, I got my referral to endocrinologist to start hormone uh, replacement therapy. Right now, it is, it is newly 2020. You have transitioned. Yes. And we're literally talking two years ago. This was just at the beginning of a forethought for you. You had just started reaching out to your primary care physician through the VA. Wow. Up until Keystone of 2018, and I know this was a significant conference for you. Uh, up until 2018, you had come out to your wife maybe five years before that, four or five years, right? as a transgender cross-dresser. Correct. And there were mixed feelings. She had some support and in some ways and then didn't support in other ways. Correct. So how did she support you? Um, I would occasionally receive gifts from her, um, maybe like lipstick or a brassiere one time. That was, that was great. 
And I still have that phrase here, although it doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you were a, you were a bigger girl then. Um, actually, um, yes. Because yep. yes, I want to talk about much your bigger. your medical journey is incredible, but let's, yes, let's, transitioning helped me healthy wise, health wise also. Yes, sticking with your wife, your wife. So she would give you gifts that were feminine things, clothing, makeup. Right. But she still struggled on the religious end. Yes. And what would she say to you? Um, would like I would try to get her to go to these events with me and events like the, the uh, DC, DC Translators Gathering or to Richmond to go to the James River Transgender Society to a monthly meeting there where she could meet other uh, girls like mm -hmm. myself and their spouses I thought that would really help but she had no interest in going and uh, later on I've learned more about that but part of her lack of interest is her own personality, right? Yes. She's a little shy. She is. She's not a social person. Mm -hmm. uh, she's never really went to any of my office functions unless it was really mandatory to have his spouse there. Like when I was in the military, she would make those because she understood that. Uh, but elsewise, no. I'd go out. She'll stay at home. You go to the bar with your friends. You have a good time. You, know, you go to the ball game, whatever. So she supported you going out, and she was just happy to, Correct. to stay back. But she would have yeah. done the same thing if you were in male mode. Exactly. Yeah. She likes to stay home and do her sewing. That's her thing. And the two of you together have four children. Correct. Three boys and a daughter. And by Keystone of 2018, they all knew as well. Yes, I had come out to them previously. And what happened when you, you came out? Did you want to come out to them all together at one time or no. individually? I, I did it individually, starting with my oldest son. Mm -hmm. And I actually worked my sons down by age. And uh, when I went to my oldest son, he let me know that he already knew. Now, how did he know? Mm -hmm. And at that time, as a cross-dresser. And they're like, what? So I pulled up my cell phone and showed them pictures. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's good that you, so you had the antidepressant to help with your nerve issues but it was helping you anyway right you came out to your doctor now what happens when you come out to your doctor and you tell them I'm transgender I'm a transgender cross-dresser these are the current medical issues I have I had high mm -hmm. blood pressure I've had a heart attack I'm yeah. diabetic uh, I have you know physical issues of trauma that's happened in my body what did your doctor do when you came out and putting all this information together well because like I seen the, the, the VA referred me to the sociologist and I had offered to blow my brains out but hadn't done anything else with guns but I did try I didn't try I did take extra antidepressants uh, because I was having issues with my wife and I was really depressed, suicidally depressed. And I, I couldn't walk over a bridge without thinking about jumping. And so uh, they sent me to a psychiatrist who changed my medication. He could not believe I'd been on that same antidepressant since 1994. Um, that seems like a really long time to be on one drug. Yes. Uh, Nortriptyline, also known as Pamelor, which it actually uh, causes you to uh, have dry mouth syndrome and the loss of the uh, fluids in the mouth cause weakening of the enamel and cause bad teeth. And uh, so that was a bad experience in itself too. But all that's been fixed. He got me onto a better uh, antidepressant, which I can't remember the name of right now, I'm sorry. Uh, but 
it's funny because before I was taking like three of these norotriclines, and now I'm taking half of this other pill. And it's a common antidepressant. You see the commercials on TV for it, and it is a godsend. And uh, it's really helped with the depression. Uh, the endocrinologist, uh, they do the blood workup before they even start me on anything. And she put me on the spironolactone to block testosterone before putting me on estradiol, which was kind of a bummer because I wanted to get on to estradiol right away. But uh, she puts me on the spironolactone to get the testosterone levels adjusted first. Yep, one step at a time. Yeah, and that blood work, she came back afterwards. She actually called me up the following week and asked me if I ever heard of some disease some parathyroidism, something like that. I'd, I'd never heard of it though. I said, no, I've never heard of that. She goes, I really think you have it. And uh, so she referred me to the cardiologist because in fact, I've had a heart attack. They weren't really in mind to change my blood pressure meds. They were very nervous about it. But what the endocrinologist had proposed was that I go on to spironolactone uh, under their care gradually and decrease blood pressure meds to see what we could do because the parathyroidism, what it was, was causing my thyroid to cause uh, my body to retain salt, retention of salt was causing retention of fluids, and the retention of fluids was causing uncontrollable blood pressure. So with the work of uh, the cardiologist, we started scaling back on the uh, heart medications. So I was taking metropolotartrate, uh, amylodipine besotate, HCTZ, uh, two potassium supplements, and Losartan, those five medications. And I'm totally off all five of those medications now. Uh, I, I just take the uh, spironolactone, 50 milligrams a day, and my blood pressure now is pretty consistent at 110 over 60. Before it was, oh my gosh, at one time, I, 180 to 200 over 110. Wow. And they, you know, after five medications, they got it down to like 150 over 90 or 80. So. With all these physical issues and then your transitioning, what, what is the lesson to this story to you? Like what is something that you would tell other people from this story? If you're transgender, be honest with your doctors. Even if you think you're just a cross-dresser, it's something in the brain. I have learned that. I, it really is in our genes. It's, it's not a sin, it's not a perversion, it's the way God made us, it's the way our body is, and it needs to be treated correctly. Um, the fact that I finally came out to my doctors, I'm on the right uh, antidepressant now for the pain issues and that, I'm off my blood pressure meds, that would not have happened if I'd not been honest with the doctors. Uh, I'm on the right medication to block that, uh, the blood, the salt production from the thyroid. And what's funny is that, that I don't even take the spironolactone to block my uh, testosterone now uh, because that wasn't doing it. I'm actually on an uh, implant that's done every three months. And that will work until I have some sort of surgery. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that you were so nervous to come out to your doctors. In my mind, the first thing I think of when it, with a doctor is HIPAA. Well, mm -hmm. you could tell your doctor anything, and they can't say a word. So why not tell your doctor? My but doctor also went to my church, and I knew, you know, the Catholic faith, it's not acceptable, at least not in the institutional churches that I was going to at that time. Since then, I've learned that the orders, like the Jesuit order, the Franciscan orders, they are LGBT-friendly and accepting. Uh, our pope is LGBT-accepting. 
And he's trying to make changes in the Vatican. And the Vatican is that institutional church. Now, I've actually started studying uh, my religion more and the history of it. And these arguments have been going on for years. They always have. Uh, transgenders in the Bible in the first book, the Old Testament, uh, and will be in the future, I'm sure, too. Uh, we have transgender saints. We know that. And I think the Pope is on the right way. Society is going to accept it, but it's going to take action on our part. And that's why now I still go to my old church. I'm getting ready to meet my rector to let him know because he preaches that gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. And I want him to know you don't know gender dysphoria. And I want you to know that you've known a transgender person since you've been at our church. You're still going to this church where your doctor, your primary physician goes, and where you have felt that you would not be able to come out. Well, I, I go there to visit to on visit. Wednesdays. But you're not a regular parishioner no, there anymore. No, because I can't go as me. And what happened when you came out to your doctor, just so that we all know? Well, Because she did see you then in church. Yes, and she was confused and didn't know what to do. You know, So she made the referral to outreach, but she was waiting for answers. Uh, because that clinic had never had anybody come out before. They were treating transgender people. It was a relatively mm -hmm. new clinic. Uh, but she wasn't sure what was that first step when somebody comes out to them. And how was she interacting with you in church? She, because that was your big fear. She's been great the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it was later on I told her, coming out to her is probably the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my lifetime. And she's like, why? And I said, because you're Catholic. And she goes, well, you know I'm medical. And medical, we'd know a little bit more science-wise than the church will recognize. Yeah. I couldn't believe I heard that from her, but yeah, she's right, too. So she's great. That's amazing. But you have found a church that accepts you where you feel yes. at home. Yes, I actually go to a church as myself, and I was told I'm the only transgender member there. I think I actually seen another one uh, this weekend at church right oh. behind me. I turned around, and, and they weren't right behind me. They are back a few over, and they're taller than me. And they, uh, you know, because being trans, you, it's easier to find a spot others. Mm -hmm. But they actually waved a real friendly wave at me. And I'm like, well, that was interesting. So I, I suspect I might not be the only one, but I'm the only known transgender in the community. So uh, for any practicing Catholics who are looking for a safe church where they can attend in that area, what is, what is the name of your church? Um, my church that I go to now is St. Francis of Assisi. And the way I found out about that church was through a web page that I was told about by another transgender Catholic in uh, New Jersey, Joyzy. <laughs> but you go to New Ways Ministry. Uh, New Ways Ministry is a Catholic organization. New Ways. New, N-E-W, Ways, W-A-Y-S. Ministry. Ministry. Dot com. Dot com. And they list all Catholic churches that are known to be LGBT friendly. And so this way, because uh, I did go to Dignity initially, which was an hour away from me, and it's strictly LGBT. But I'm in with other people. And it's important we mix in with other people so that they can be used to us and get to see us and accept us. If they don't know us, they're never going to accept us. At Dignity, it was only LGBTQ. Correct. St. Francis is mm -hmm. everybody. I mean, even the Knights of Columbus is there. They do have their conservative organizations there. Um I'll out myself. I'm actually a past Grand Knight with the Knights of Columbus. Uh, yeah, I was. A, I've always been a strong Catholic, and uh, and, and I still support them at St. Francis. And they know about me, but they don't come around too much. But that's okay. 
It Love has to start in one direction. Yes, and, and I, st I still tell the other parishioners, males, that they should go join the organization. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, they're not ready for the transgender community, they do do things like they, uh, half the Knights of Columbus do is actually pay for the televis television, televisation, there we go, televisation of the Pope's masses on Christmas and Easter. And the Pope is not anti-LGBT. The Vatican, yes, but not the Pope. So we need to support him. You know, what's so interesting to me is we're having this very roundabout conversation about your transition. And I'm sure some people, they start their transition um, with their friends or with their family. You're started at work, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had to renew my security clearance. And... And where do you where do you work? I, I work for, uh, and now my mind, Perspecta. Perspecta. I work for a company called Perspecta. Where you're contracted to. I am a contractor, and we're on an army contract. And it came time for my security clearance renewal. And I hit that question: Are you known by any other names? And at that time, my femme side was known as Jenny, mm -hmm. and because I hadn't legally changed my name, and. So I reached out to a couple of transgender friends, uh, Kimberly Moore and Bree Fram, mm -hmm. and asked them, what do I do? And they said, be honest. You can lose your security clearance for being dishonest. That's a, that's a really good point. It is. It was mm -hmm. great advice. And so I was honest. And it was not a problem. It was not a problem at all. Uh, I became nervous about it, though, and I decided that I wanted to let my boss know. And how did that conversation and, go? And you're on an army base, right? Well, no, no. no. We're we were on an army contract and a military building, okay. uh, but you know myself, I'm a retired marine, and he was a marine also. So I'm, you know, it's like the first time I walked into the VA fem mode. You know, you're in the man's club, and I'm turning in my man's card. Well, here I'm getting ready to turn it in again because <laughs> I'm going to tell my boss, a marine, that I'm not really a man, and uh, so I told him I was transgender. And his, it was like right away, the first thing his mind went to is, when are you going to transition? Mm -hmm. And there are uh, two other transgender persons in my building that I know of, uh, male to female, that work in my building. And his first question is, when are you going to transition? And I said, well, I'm eligible to retire in a couple more years, and I, I can continue to live my life like this. Uh, I can go back and forth, and I'll continue working on the army contract as a male until I'm eligible for my social security. That's what I was looking at. And then I'll retire and then I'll transition. And he asked me, well, if you could transition now and be a woman at work, would you stay on the contract longer? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I didn't even, like, well, yeah, of course. And next thing I knew, I pretty well made a commitment. And he actually helped me and to put me in touch with HR and who at that time did not have a transgender policy. But they told me, don't worry about it, because other members were protected. And it, what's nice is I actually transitioned full-time at work this last October 11th, National Coming Out Day. Oh, that was very good timing. Yeah. I picked a day so I could remember. And I, I, they'd seen me in fem mode before, though, because I, mean, I had to go get my driver's license mm -hmm. renewed when I got my name changed and that, because I did all that prior. So I, I would show up to work as Dan, but leave as Danny. And I can remember one person that I was really nervous about coming around into my cubicle because I was working my eyes at work <laughs> getting ready to leave. But uh, no problems. Everybody's been great. Uh, I You know, there's one person that doesn't want to have their picture taken with me. Uh, 
I use that as my litmus test the day I came out. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, can we have a selfie together? And everybody's like, yeah, a couple are like, let's do group shots. And I was really surprised at oh. the acceptance. Was there a letter from HR? Did you personally go around and speak to people? No. I asked them if I should send a letter out, and they're like, no, you just picked a day. They didn't want to know. They didn't care. You know, I've already done my name change with them, and they're like, you just picked a day. You want to come in as Danny. I love all this because I'm a very logistical, linear person. Yes. And I love that his response is, okay, well, when are we going to do this? Yes. And, well, no, I don't want you to retire and leave. You're a good employee. What do I need to do to keep you here? Yeah. Exactly.